You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, Brunning, Bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Monday, December 13th. Dennis and Matt are here. We are going to discuss everything that happened in the NFL for week 14, the last week of the fantasy regular season. Um, we are going to talk waivers as we get ready for the playoff run. As always, though, we are proud to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN. We all tag that as we go live. They've got hockey, football, baseball, soccer, wrestling. They've got it all over there. So for any and all your sporting needs, check that out. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this beautiful Monday? You know, I've got a couple uh, leagues. I'm still waiting on final results from tonight in to see if I'm in or out of the playoffs. But for the most part, uh, all of my leagues are decided. I'm looking at six or seven playoff trips. Uh, two or three where I think I'm a legitimate contender for the title. Um, but mostly I'm looking to play out the playoffs and get on to rebuilding. I've got three hardcore rebuilds that are underway. And like we're talking three, four, five first round picks in the next draft and two or three picks in the 2023 draft already. So uh, I'm stoked to get working on those. I'll just call you Dennis the the Lions Bennett. Yeah. Piling up the draft picks. I you know, I, I'm just waiting for those monster performances from Chase Edmonds tonight to really bail my oh wait. He's out. He's out. Ow. They teased us all week only to crush our hopes and dreams. Only your hopes and dreams, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, I, this has actually been a, a much better year for me, at least better than last year. But uh took some big hits yesterday. So there was a couple teams that I was like in first or second place all year long. And then Terry McLaurin getting hurt, hurt me. Jonathan Taylor being out hurt me big time in a couple places. That Jonathan Taylor to... one was unfortunate. You know, you know what the worst part about it is? I Did really need a... I no, I did not. Uh, who, Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Taylor? No, I mean, yeah. you can't handcuff him. He's he's on by. Um, no, I uh, who's it? I want to say it's Jeff Radcliffe that says if you want to be a good analyst, you have to take the fan. You have to get rid of the fan mindset. Something like that. He says something to that effect. Had I just listened to my inner fantasy, whatever you want to call it, analyst, whatever. And kept Rashad Penny in my lineup instead of starting my guy, Jamar Jefferson. I probably would have won a couple of those matchups and still had a bye today. So that we're bye going into next week. But that part of it is what it is. We all make mistakes, right? Let's talk a little week 14 recap. We're going to kick it off with the Cleveland Browns narrowly escaping the Tyler Huntley-led Ravens, 24-22. Matt Lamar gets injured and leaves this game. Uh, Do we think this is a cause for concern for Baltimore and possibly your playoff teams? Yeah, so a little bit of news came out today. They're saying it's a sprained ankle. Lamar says he plans to play against, uh, I think they're supposed to play Green Bay this week. Uh, Jim or John Harbaugh was a little less uh, definitive. He, he said he, he hoped there might be a chance. You know, I think if I was looking over and I saw Tyler Huntley was now my quarterback, I might be hoping there was a chance I'd see Lamar Jackson too. Uh, but the Ravens haven't looked very good or very dominant in the run up to this game. Now with this loss, you don't know, even if Lamar plays, you know, we talked about on Friday that Lamar's pretty much been there, their running game, their passing game, their offense. Huntley did bring them back a little bit against Cleveland. I didn't see all of that game. So I'll leave it to you to say whether Cleveland's defense led up a little bit. So they did make it a little bit closer, but I would definitely be concerned. The Ravens are one and three in their own division, which ain't great. They've lost to both the teams in the division that they still have to play again, which isn't too good. And they're eight and five. Well, they have two seven and six teams and a six, six and one team right in their rearview mirror. So the pressure is definitely on for this last four games. Yeah. You know, Huntley played well. And I think, well, we were down Newsom. Um, at one cornerback, not that I guess the, you know, the, the Ravens passing game is something to be feared, but um, Freeman ran the ball. Okay. But he's, you know, he's not, he, he's not a ceiling guy at this point in his career. It's, it's Mark Andrews and then Rashad Bateman come on. I don't know how much of it was Cleveland. I don't think Cleveland let up. It's a rivalry game. It's, you know, they bleed hate for the Ravens since uh, the move back in uh, you know '95. Uh, you know we we don't we don't have fond feelings for all things Baltimore. Um, I just think that Huntley Huntley didn't have anything to lose. He went in and he just was like, screw it. He wasn't taking a lot of big chances, but he was just making plays. And as far as I'm concerned. I feel like if he gets, if he has to start another game, I don't know that it necessarily 
hurts the Ravens. He doesn't have Lamar's uh, ceiling, but I do think he's a better fit for the offense maybe than, you know, Trace McSorley was. Yeah, but he, here's their last four. Home against the Packers, at the Bengals, home for the Rams, home for the Steelers. I mean, the only good thing about that is their three of them are home games, but those are all playoff yeah. teams. Right. Except the Steelers. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll uh, potentially be a playoff bet. team. I mean, you know, I almost, I almost, I don't know that he'll be listening or watching this, but all these subtweeting a good friend of ours, maybe named Nostin Ace. I don't, I don't know if you guys know who that is. Uh, talking about how the Browns were the cellar dwellers half the season. <laughs> it looks like the Schittsburgh Steelers are in last place. Right now. Anyways, on to the Cleveland Browns, the better team, clearly. Uh, I don't know that they let up. I think no, the. I offense- just want to. Throw it out there that they're in last place because of my Detroit Lions. Hey, and I love them for it. I love them for it. Uh, I I don't know that the Browns necessarily let up on defense. I think a lot of it was more the defense was on the field a whole lot more in that second half because the Browns just couldn't do anything offensively. I mean, they put almost up all their points in that first half. Uh, and then really in the second half, they were getting stopped a lot. And I think that may have what led to maybe the defense was just getting tired. I mean, they didn't have Newsom out there, which I think was big. And, I mean, if we're being honest, the Browns were two yards, three yards away from losing that game. I mean, Huntley had Marquise Hollywood Brown wide open and missed him. So, (coughs) excuse me. I still think that they played a good game. I don't know that they're a playoff team. I, I've jokingly been telling everybody today is they've been like, hey, yeah, the Browns won. I'm like, yeah, only just to like dash my hopes here in a couple weeks and like completely ruin the season for me. I'd much rather them just lost this week so I could just plan for misery. Now I got my hopes up because they can probably beat the Raiders. And then I'm going to get crushed on Christmas when they get blown out by the Packers and it's just going to make the rest of the season horrible. But I, I you know. They they overall, I think, played a good game. You know, Baker, again, dealing with all of those injuries. I mean, Chubb was okay. Landry continues to be a very good wide receiver. DPJ, who we talked about on Friday, I thought could have a good game, gets 13 points in this one, ends up having. If you started him, I think you got more than what you were expecting out of him. So, Dennis, in the ever-shifting AFC North, are the Browns with that win back into the playoff race? Somebody's got to win it, right? I mean... I think the Browns have a little bit easier schedule the rest of the way than the Ravens. So they could potentially set themselves up to be uh, at least in a tie with the Ravens. Uh, I think they're one and one in the uh, head to head and the Browns could potentially have a better division record, which if I am not mistaken, might be the the next tiebreaker is division record after head to head. So I that gets points for right. Oh, is it? What did they, they use that? I thought they only used that in fantasy. Yeah. Well, I think the NFL uses it too, but uh, probably it might, why be, they use it in fantasy. It might be conference record and not division yeah. record. So, I, you know, the Browns, I, I yeah, it's his conference record. Sorry, I didn't realize I was still muted. Okay. It's conference record next year. Okay, and and so, you know, the Browns should be able to impose their will in the run game a lot better than they have been. It honestly, Ernest Johnson is the one who's been looking like the best running back. He comes in after Hunt goes out. And that's not me saying I think he's more talented than Chubb or Hunt because I don't. But for whatever reason, when he gets in there, he just makes things happen. Um, 
but they're not running the ball enough in my estimation, uh, but they weren't converting either. So they did need to pass. Like we said on Friday, uh, they needed to get over the top and DPJ was the guy for that. So somebody's got to win the division and they've got as good a shot as anybody. Yeah. And see that the Steelers. (laughs) That's, that's the thing about the AFC. So you, you're talking about seven and six. You're like, well, it's, it's not the great. I don't know if they're playing. They're two games out of being the number one seed in the conference. And you make jokes about that. But there are three teams with nine wins, two teams with eight wins, five teams with seven wins, and three teams with six wins all bunched up in the AFC. And I don't know if you've looked ahead at the week 15 schedule, but I think if a few things break the right way, the AFC is going to get even more compact with three weeks to go because the Chargers are playing the Chiefs. If they upset them, you're talking about that moving closer. The Colts are playing the Patriots. If that goes the wrong way, you know, goes one way, it gets closer. The beat up Ravens are going to play uh, Green Bay. You know, that could compact things. Meanwhile, teams like, you know, Cleveland has the Raiders and the Raiders haven't been terrible, but they have not looked good. So, I this is going to be a wild last four weeks, especially in the AFC. Yeah, what scares me about the Browns is, and I say this, they've always had trouble with Las Vegas, even in Cleveland. And they do get the Raiders in Cleveland this Saturday. They have two Saturday games in a row. They get the Raiders this Saturday and the Packers the Saturday after that. Then they get the Steelers on Monday night and the Bengals to close out the season. Now, they've had kind of like the Bengals number. Like, I, I'm going to be honest, when they played the Bengals earlier this season, I expected the Bengals to win that game. I know I picked the Browns, but I was like, I think Joe Burrow, with the way they're playing, they're probably going to beat the Browns. And the Browns put a whooping on them. They, they've been able to beat the Bengals. It's going to come down to those last two games. But just like the Browns have had the Bengals number, realistically, the Steelers and Big Ben have had the Browns number for a long time. That's why it was such a big deal last year, right, when they won those two games. They won that Week 16 matchup, and then they were able to beat them in the playoffs. I do think it's going to come down to those two games because I expect that they lose to the Packers on Christmas Day. And they're talking about it all during the broadcast. We've talked about it. They probably have to win. They had to win five of their last six games. Well, they took care of Baltimore, which I don't think many of us really expected them to do. They should be able to beat the Raiders. So even if they if they do lose to the Packers, they've got to take home the games against the Steelers and the Bengals, and one of them in Heinz Field. I think that one on Monday night is going to be a huge, huge game because if the last Steelers Monday do, night football game of the year too, yeah. If if the Steelers get those two wins leading up to that, that could realistically be a win and or lose, and you're out of the playoff race. So it, it could be bitter, bittersweet for for Browns fans to be able to knock Pittsburgh out and continue making a possible run into the playoffs. I'm 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 excited for it. Obviously, All right, though, that's no, enough. We've got to try and beat the Raiders. But, Dennis, tell us a little bit about a, a way that you can kind of bring all of your leagues together in one. It's like make it's managing like everything easier. It's like a big hug for your dynasty teams is what it is. Just a, this nice hug. So do you want to dominate your dynasty leagues? The Dynasty GM from Dynasty Nerds is the tool you need to get the job done. It integrates seamlessly with your MFL, Sleeper, Flea Flicker, and FFPC leagues. And more integrations coming. Oh, we're in the offseason. Lots of development happening. Use your league analyzer to identify your team's strengths and weaknesses. Use the trade calculator to put together league-winning deals. The player shares tracker keeps track of your roster ship. Myself here, 
I have like a 52% roster ship of Donald Parham. You got to be ahead of the curve. Uh, I also have a 48% roster ship of Brian Edwards. Sometimes the curve never turns. It's just as a straight line down. Um, <laughs> uh, keep track of your roster ship. Get exclusive rankings and more. Use code ROUNDTABLE for 15% off the monthly or the annual subscription. Bundle with the, the Dynasty GM with the Nerd Herd to save even more. That's code ROUNDTABLE at DynastyNerds.com, Dynasty GM. I was going to say this took a real dark turn, and now we're going to the Jaguars, so it's about to get darker. My mouse keeps not working. <laughs> it's driving me insane. I keep trying to click off, and it will not let me. Yes, speaking of very sad things, the uh, Jaguars get uh, shut out here against the Titans 22 nothing. Dennis, is this a one-and-done situation for Urban Meyer? No, but it's a one-and-done situation for Marvin Jones and anybody else that Urban is blaming for his utter catastrophe. Yeah, it should be a one-and-done for Urban. I mean, he he his press conferences are an absolute train wreck. Take He's taking no accountability while basically shouting at everybody to be accountable. It, it's a farce. I mean, it. I, I, we all kind of looked at it when he was hired and thought this was not going to be a good match. You know, some coaches, you know, Lou Holtz, just, you know, they're just not Nick Saban. They're just not made to be NFL coaches. You can't coach grown ass men like you do young, young fellows who need direction and need to be molded. There, there's a step that, there's a step that happens when you leave college and go to the NFL, and now you're getting paid above the table to play, uh, and you're getting paid a lot of money, oftentimes more than the coach. Uh, it's a, It's been a disaster, man. Yeah, you know, when a coach loses the faith of the locker room and the rest of the staff, they're, they're done. And by all accounts, that's already what's happened to him. We heard Trevor Lawrence come out and – without taking a direct shot, basically say that he didn't agree with the player rotation, which it turns out, you know, was the head coach's decision and all the reports of players and assistant coaches leaving. I was troubled last night. I don't know if you guys caught um, football night in America where Mike Florio suggested that Shad Khan has expressed that he's willing to ride it out with Meyer for at least one more year. I don't know what kind of irreparable damage that would do to the franchise because at the current moment, you would have to think, you know, in college, it's a big thing if you can't recruit. In the pros, it's a big thing if you can't get free agents. And I can't imagine what kind of free agents are going to want to come into a situation like this. Adrian Peterson, he'll be there. Let's see. I was trying to find it all because you mentioned that Josina Anderson did a whole thing on this like a couple minutes right before we went live here. Um, but it does look like what you're saying is what's going to happen with Shad Khan sticking with him right now. Said he didn't like it, does not want information. Le yeah, it's mostly about them leaking the information about all that stuff. Yeah, I, oh yeah, that's I mean, what we, Urban complained about yesterday too. Like yeah. that's the bigger issue is that people let other people know that it happened rather than that it happened. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm. We talked a lot about this. None of us thought this was going to be a great fit. Uh, I. Urban is not like the difference with some of the guys coming in. Pete Carroll, I guess Pete Carroll's more of like a CEO type than really a coach coach, but 
he's not a Cliff Kingsbury, right? Like Cliff Kingsbury comes in with a style of offense that he runs. He's an offensive guy. He knows what he's doing. Urban Meyer is more of a CEO type of guy. And as Matt, you mentioned, you can't really do the recruiting in the NFL like you can do in college. And we also mentioned when he made the hires that he made that these were just not great hires. And you've got to have the right offensive defensive coordinators around you if you want to be successful. I wouldn't be surprised if they try and give it one more year, but I don't think it's going to get much better. I, I really don't. And I don't think it's all even on Urban Meyer. This roster is not very good. Again, I, I thought that the coordinators that they brought in, we've seen from the past few years are just not quite the best kind of coordinators you need to have, at least not in the NFL now. Daryl Bevel would have been great like 15, 20 years ago. We're not in the the run it every down kind of offense. It's not the pound and ground game anymore. Ground and pound. Even sorry, Pete Carroll let Daryl Bevel go. Yeah, I, I mean, mean and yeah. But if you think back, though, with Pete Carroll, his first time around in the NFL w- was pretty rough. Right, but, but that's I, where I, think I would also say is, Pete right, Carroll right. is not the offensive guru, but he is big time on defense. I'm pretty yeah, sure he focused really hard on that. That You do bring up a fair point. It didn't seem like Meyer really came in with a specific area of focus. Well, well no, he, I don't think he's known as an offensive guy, and he has he likes a specific system. <laughs> I mean, no, I so I, I didn't mean to be like I agree with Dennis. He is known as he. But I'll then he brought like, in a coach that runs a different st- style of system. I think the problem with Urban is is that his his offensive system is outdated as well. You can't run. You can't run it. His his offense was JT Barrett, Tim Tebow. You cannot do that in the NFL. And and I think that's part of the problem is he is not changing to the NFL. I, I feel like the way he's treated everything is a lot like what we talked about with uh, with Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco toward the end of his tenures. You can't treat millionaires like college kids. You just can't. You've got to change your mindset. And he's coming in trying to treat this like he did all of his college programs that he turned around. You can't do that with these guys, whether you want to or not. You you can't do it. So I, I would. I, we'll see what happens. I don't know that I'd give it one more year, but if Shad Khan's saying it, I mean, he's the owner. I would think that they're going to. Matt, the Titans get the win. Where do they rank among the AFC contenders? You know, quietly they've just continued to do pretty well and do their business. They're they're nine and four. They're among the leaders. Uh, reports started emerging that looks like Derrick Henry is going to work his way back by the time they hit the playoffs. That's got to be good news for them. I think the biggest thing for them is that they got that sweep of Indianapolis early in the going. So even if Indianapolis manages to catch them record-wise, they have that tiebreaker. I think they're going to be able to hold on when their division. No one's running away with the AFC, and that's going to give them a good chance to get a decent seed and be at home. Yeah, I mean, they've got a two-game lead in their division. And so it's if they go, I feel like they're going to win it, even if they just go two and two the rest of the way. I, I feel like they're probably going to win it. Uh, but I'm not sure how much we can take away from the uh, wrong note. Getting Julio back seemed to open up the field, though. They they did pass. Julio led the team in targets with six. Berkser had five, Swain four. So they did get the tight ends involved a lot. I was disappointed with how the running game went against the Jags. I would have expected more. Well, they did run it 34 times. Uh, Foreman with only 13 carries for 47 yards was a, a little bit of a bummer. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you have to consider them contenders, especially because they've already, I believe, did they beat the Colts both times? I know they beat them. The yeah, they did. They swept the Colts early in so, the season. So that's, I mean, they'd so have they really have at least a three game lead. Yeah, because the they'd have to lose at least three in the next, what, five, four games for Ed Colts have to have a, to win out. They do have a decently tough schedule. They got the 49ers. Yeah, I'm looking at Steelers, they got 49ers, the Steelers. But then Dolphins. Dolph, Dolphins are kind of hot, though. Yeah. I mean, it could well, mean a lot we, for the Dolphins. The Texans talk- game will we'll write off. We talked a lot about it. Those Dolphins, man. That that game against the Titans and then the Patriots in the last week of the season could be what gets them into the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm with you there. But, uh, I mean, even the 49ers are playing decent. They've got their back up to 7-6 and six now. So, it, it is a tough schedule for the Titans. But they seem to be playing a little bit better than they were earlier in the year. We'll see what happens with Ryan Tannehill, if he can continue to be consistent. Obviously, if they make the playoffs, getting Derrick Henry back would be huge. The Chiefs absolutely dismantled the 49ers. Biggest win uh, by margin here in the rivalry history with a 48-9 to win. Matt, is this the end of the Raiders' playoff chances? Yeah, they looked god-awful. Um, I, I had this game on while I was uh, doing other things. They came out before the game and did a little celebration on the arrowhead, which wasn't a great idea. And then they came out. Josh Jacobs got stripped. Uh, you know, he hits Foster Moreau, who pops the ball up into the air. He hits Hunter Renfro, who puts it on the ground. They just they were beating themselves, and they could not stop Kansas City. They got trucked with Patrick Mahomes just being okay, and Travis Kelsey just I think three for twenty-seven. Um, the Raiders probably too much off field and they've passed the Rubicon because now you're going to be playing contending teams in the Browns and the Broncos been back-to-back weeks who, while not great, look like they're trending in a better direction. Yeah. It's uh, you, you know, to the question, is this the end of for the Raiders playoff chances? Uh, my note was one word. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's insane because I feel like this has been the last at least three, possibly four years where they've started out mm-hmm. really hot and then just completely faded down the stretch and, and, and missed the playoffs. I'm very curious to see what happens with this franchise in the offseason. There's, there's a lot of questions, um, obviously new coaching, possibly new GM. And there's a whole lot that's going to be changing for the Raiders here going into the 2022 season. Dennis, how dangerous are the Chiefs right now? I mean, defense seems to be playing much better, as is the offense. I mean, the defense is playing great. And, I, you know, I just went out and picked up Frank Clark just this week in an IDP league. Uh, he's playing well. They've got six wins in a row. They they don't always look great doing it. And I think that's kind of when you're when teams are great, you have to win the games you should and you have to win the games that are tough. And sometimes you know, you're going to lay an egg. I don't know how much we can take away from this game. It was uh, against the Raiders who were severely outclassed. But, I mean, they they ran away from this. Mahomes only threw 24 passes. He completed 20 of them uh, for 258 yards. So, overall, he had a good game. It just wasn't a volume game. But no, no running back carried the ball more than 10 times, and no receiver had more than four targets. It was it was a nightmare, I think, for uh, fantasy. Uh, other it, Edward Delaire getting the two touchdowns was great. Nobody, Derek Gore was in, in Joe Dolan's words uh, a, a sick of this touchdown if there ever was one. Um, but Kelsey only had three catches, only four targets. Uh, 
I, I don't know that you can take a whole lot away from it. Yeah, see, the the Chiefs were used to this high-flying passing game kind of powering everything, which is what they've done the last couple of years. And we saw defenses early in the season adjust to that, start playing two deep safeties and kind of taking that out. And it caused the Chiefs to stumble. But in the end, you may have awoken a sleeping giant and made them a better team because they figured out how to play better offense, you know, a more balanced offense. They've figured out how to use the running backs a little bit better. I had thought it would be a decent game for CEH and Williams. Both of them got involved and scored early on. But more importantly, Steve Spagnuolo figured out the problems he was having early in the season, and he has turned that around. And their defense is very opportunistic. They're flying to the ball. They're playing a lot better. And and the way the AFC is tracking, I think they are potentially the most dangerous team right now. Yeah, when you stack up Chris Chris Jones, Willie Gay, you know Tyron Matthew, all back to back to back, uh, defense is just. It's it's insane that just a year ago we were talking about Patrick Mahomes as like this fantasy superstar, and then they've turned him into a into a game manager because it wins games, and it's going to be very interesting to see what the Chiefs do here down the stretches. As you mentioned, I mean they're winning with the running game and defense, and we've seen that that is you know it's it's a way to win NFL games. And when you need to rely on a guy like Patrick Mahomes, they can. They've got it. They've got an all star quarterback. I'll be very interested to see how the Chiefs finish out their season. You know, big game as you mentioned. They got the Chargers coming up here. That is a big game for the division and possibly one of the top seeds in the AFC. The Saints beat up on the Jets here, thirty to nine. Matt, what do we think of the Saints' playoff chances? And and how about your guy Taysom Hill? absolutely shitting the bed for three quarters. And then the fourth quarter turns on. He must have heard all of us fantasy managers saying a prayer because he just poured it on with a couple rushing touchdowns there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, they're using Taysom Hill with the the things that he does best. It's not like the Saints have a world-beating receiving core uh, right now, as it is either. They used Alvin Kamara really well, deployed him really well. Six and seven, so they're in that kind of bunch, you know, fighting for that last playoff spot. The big question is going to be, you know, their defense is going well. Their offense is okay. Last four games, they have the Buccaneers and the Dolphins the next two. They they surprised the Bucs the first time. I just think my gut tells me they don't surprise the Bucs this time. So then you got the Dolphins, which could be a tough out, and they close – with the Panthers and the Falcons. So I think they have a chance, but I'm not sure going two and two and ending up eight and nine quite gets them there. Yeah, I I definitely think they're going to need to win at least three of four to get there. Vanilla Cam Newton has been killing it on the ground again. He is, I mean, threw the ball 21 times for only 175 yards, but dude's what, got had 20 or 22 fantasy points uh, and didn't throw any touchdown passes. So, you know, I mean, me too. If he could run for 40 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it helps when your last, literally the last play of the game for them was a 50 yard touchdown run by him. The, I think the Jets thought he was going to just go down and he went right through and all the way for like a 50 yard touchdown that ended up really kind of adding on there at the end. I mean, I don't know. You, you know, Kamara carried the ball 27 times, had five targets for four catches. It seems like despite the fact that he's a 220-pound back, he doesn't seem to hold up well to that kind of volume game after game. He's more of a give me 12 targets and 10 carries kind of back and, and you know let me work that way. 
So it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, when they get uh, Ingram back, who's had a surprisingly good season this year, that if they kind of scale back Kamara in the run game, because he's he is their leading receiver. He's the best guy when it comes to catching passes. He's better than Callaway. He's better than uh, their tight ends, Vinette and uh, uh, Traquan Smith. You know, they don't they don't have a ton when it comes to passing. So, you know, maybe maybe uh, that's probably better for Taysom Hill in the long run. Yeah, I'll, I'll be very curious. I, mean, I agree with you guys, though. They uh, they they probably have to win three of the last four to even make it in. And I, don't, I just don't know that this team is going to go that far anyways. I mean, it, it's more of the fact that I think Taysom Hill is – I don't know how much of that game you guys watch, but like the ball that he fumbled, it really seemed like it was because of the finger and he couldn't get a good grip on it. As good as he's been on the ground, I think he's going to have to pass the ball at some point to beat some of these teams if they get to the playoffs. And I wonder how much these teams will focus in on well, him. God, did you, did you hear that he has the same middle finger injury that Russell? Wilson yeah, Russell Wilson did on yeah. his throwing, and Russell Wilson missed four weeks and looked yeah. like crap for three weeks. So, I sort of, he wasn't the greatest thrower before. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm even if they make it, I'd be hesitant to really like buy into the Saints because I think some defense is going to figure out a way to force him to pass. And with that injury, I just don't know how well he'll be able to do it. Uh, Dennis, the Jets are missing just about anyone. I mean, we're heading into the fantasy playoffs now. Is there anybody you're starting on that roster? Man, the Jets are the dartiest of dart throws. I mean, you're at the point where. Maybe your quarterback room has fallen apart, and so you're throwing Zach Wilson out there. Your wide receiver room has has all of a sudden had three guys go on COVID lit, the COVID list, and so you're going to put Jamar uh, uh, Jamison Crowder out there. I mean, it's a it's a rough it's a rough go. I think he's the Jets, frozen for Jets weren't enough to knock him out. I was going to say, for me, I thought uh, YOLO with uh, Jamison Crowder, if not now, when? And uh, seeing three receptions for 19 yards has convinced me there is no Jet I want to play in a meaningful game. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I mean, I'm forced to start Zach Wilson in a couple super flex leagues, and I hate every single second of it. So, yeah, I mean, you're not you're if if you have an option, you're you're not starting it yet. Yeah. The only thing worse than starting Zach Wilson right now is having to start Trevor Lawrence. No, nah, I'd rather start you off. He's he's got nice hair. The Cowboys beat the Washington football team twenty-seven to twenty. Matt, your Cowboys win, but struggle. What what are we doing with Zeke? Yeah, and you know, Pollard misses, and they allegedly say Zeke's healthy because he's not appearing on the injury report. And yet, in a game that was uh, somewhat meaningful and somewhat close, he gets outcarried by Corey Clement. So I think that is a probably a grim prognosis going into the fantasy playoffs. It's possible they're really trying to save him for the NFL playoffs, but that's not really going to help your fantasy chances. He's not getting a ton of touches. He's not gotten super productive. I'm even a little worried about Dak. They were talking about it yesterday. If the Cowboys' defense didn't play out of its mind, I don't think Dallas won that. Would have won that game. I mean, Zeke, he might not be showing up on the 
the injury report, but he's still nursing that knee. Uh, he, he's got a knee brace he's wearing now. It's, you know, it is what it is at this point in the season. Uh, he did have six targets, though. He only converted one to go with his 12 carries. Um, I think you have to temper your expectations when it comes to fantasy points for Zeke. You're probably not likely looking at a, you know, a 125 with five catches and two touchdowns game anytime soon. Yeah, I want to say it was two weeks ago they discussed Zeke was like three three to four weeks away from being healthy, but it was like a he needed to sit to get healthy thing. The he worst said, part no, of- fuck that. Yeah, well, I mean, now, I, I mean, Pollard's out probably for uh, – maybe he's back by next week. I and mean, we talked about this on Friday. Again, I'm not an elite athlete, but I had that injury. It's not fun. It is well, a it's got to be different for a running injury. back than a quarterback, too, who can kind yeah. of – Yeah, I mean, he's got to use his it. foot to, to, ex, to explode through the holes and everything to plant and go. So, I mean, the, the worst part about it is – where you drafted Zeke, you likely don't have a better option on your roster, especially in redraft league. So you just kind of have to play him and hope that he falls into the end zone or something. Uh, I just, it, it really sucks. I, I don't know off the, either one of you know off the top of your heads what their schedule looks like down the stretch here by any chance. I don't. Yeah, they get so. Washington again in a couple weeks, but they are at the Giants, which should be a decent matchup. Then home for Washington, home for the Cardinals, which would probably be a tough one and an important one in the NFC, and then at the Eagles. So not very, outside the Giants game, not really any easy game. So it's, it's going to be rough Eagles. going for Zeke. Eagles. Oh, the Eagles have had a pretty good run defense. I, I don't know. Dak oh, you meant specifically over. for Zeke. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about for Zeke. Yeah, yeah. Just specifically for Zeke. Yeah. I'm not really worried about anybody else on there. Dennis Washington sees McLaurin and Heineke leave with injuries. Do we think that they make it back for the playoffs? And if they say they do, are we trusting them? Well, I think both guys make it back. I mean, McLaurin's in the concussion protocol. Um, I don't know that they. I don't know that it'll be so bad that he's going to miss the rest of the year. I mean, he's got it. What is the protocol? He's got to sit for at least five days. So he has a chance to make it back because they don't play Saturday, right? I don't remember who the other teams are. They they play play Sunday at the Eagles. And then they're at the Eagles, at the Cowboys, home for the Eagles, at the Giants. So they're all NFC East left. I mean, what and what was Heineke's injury? He has a knee injury. They're going for an MRI. MRI. Status is undetermined. So, I mean, they're they're kind of just at a point now. The defense has let them down all year. And and so even if they were to make the playoffs, I don't think they'd be long for the playoffs. Uh, Gibson has come on. McLaurin has been inconsistent. And I don't know if that's a function of uh, Heineke and a porous offensive line um, or the route concepts being – that they're not looking to him until later because McLaurin gets open early, but the passes all seem to be later in the, in, in the play. And so if they, if they get the ball to him a little quicker, maybe he'd put up a little better numbers and be more helpful to the team. Uh, But that's just one man's opinion there. So real, real quick, this just came out. Lamar Jackson is described as day to day. So that's good news for any Lamar Jackson, anybody who has Lamar Jackson on their roster. We shall see. Um, Yeah. Gibson struggled a little bit yesterday too. lost uh, 
lost a fumble. I didn't. They said something about him, him coming out briefly. I don't see any updates on any kind of major injury, which is good. But they are definitely beat up. They have a fairly favorable schedule as long as they, you know, those games with the Eagles are going to take on a lot more interesting um, meaning because it's amazing how much difference a week can make last week with Washington coming off that big win, getting to six and six. It seemed like they were really tracking to get in the playoffs. Now they lost, got beat up and it's They're kind of back in that soft group of six and seven teams that you just don't know what to make of. So they, they have a decent chance of making it. I don't see them being serious contenders like we thought they were early in the season. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on Friday's show. I think they had to beat the Cowboys this week to kind of keep that going, and they didn't. I mean, they made it a tough game, even with Heineke being hurt um, and obviously McLaurin being out almost the entire game, which, you know, and actually with Dennis, like McLaurin's getting open. It was actually Heineke's fault that McLaurin got hurt on that that, that pass. He underthrew him and, and caused him to get a, get the concussion. So, obviously, you hope that they're both back. I mean, say what you want about Heineke. He's probably the best option they have right now. Um, on the roster, and you want McLaurin to be able to get the ball. Hopefully, McLaurin's back because that obviously would be a big hit to any of your fantasy rosters uh, if he's not able to be able to play in the first round of the playoffs. If you did not have uh, have a bye, the Falcons beat the Panthers twenty nine to twenty one. Dennis, the Falcons claw back into the race. Are they actually a team that can contend? They had a nine-minute edge in time of possession. The running game seemed to be working a little bit better. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. It was Carolina. I mean, I, the the Falcons just are not – they're not built for the playoffs this year. Um, while Pitts is having a great year for a rookie tight end, uh, I don't think that he's having the type of year you can count on um, – from a receiver perspective, while Gage has started to come on, you know, they just don't have the overall firepower and the overall defensive prowess, I think, to uh, be taken seriously as a playoff contender. Yeah, they've been better than I thought they were going to be, but their last four, they are at the 49ers, then they're home for Detroit, which you figure should be a pretty good one. But then they're at the Bills and play the saints. I wouldn't be surprised if they go one and three on that stretch and that's not going to get it done. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that they're contenders at all. A couple good wins. May I props them for continuing to fight. I think that just proves Arthur Smith's doing a really good job there, but I still think they're probably a year, if not two away from really contending back again in the NFC. There's a lot they need to do to overhaul that roster. Matt, another top loss for the Panthers. I mean, they're pretty much out of it now. Yeah, and worse than that, um, they have the Buccaneers twice plus the Saints uh, down the stretch. I don't think they are going to win another game this year. Cam Newton was a fun story when he first came back. I'm glad he got a chance to reunite in a happy way with Carolina. He was has it been happy though? I mean, he seems to be oh, having a, a good time, and he's awesome. been he's been producing okay. But um, yeah, I think the shine's off that apple. And Carolina is facing some tough questions, in my opinion, this offseason. Darnold didn't look great. They obviously have had um, some upheaval on the offensive side of the ball. They started out really hot, but they have sure fallen apart quickly. Well, I mean, they're talking speaking about of that, Sam Darnold uh, being back in the mix. 
Oh, geez. Uh, you know, with, with the, with the Panthers probably being out of it too, Dennis, I mean, we know Christian McCaffrey's not coming back this year. Is there anybody you trust starting on this team in your fantasy playoffs? Oh, you know, trust, I think is relative to your expectations. So, you know, I think Chuba Hubbard is getting the majority of the touches, I think in the running game. So if you need a, a low end RB flex, I think he's, a reasonable guy there. You know, we saw all of a sudden Robbie Anderson's a part of the offense again. Um, who, who'd have thought? Uh, and DJ Moore is is still great. But, I mean, even Tommy Tremble, uh, what, put up like six or seven points last weekend. So you, you're at the situation, you know, fantasy teams suffer the same kind of attrition the NFL teams do. We just have to experience it three weeks or earlier. So if you're trusting, if, if you're counting on any of them to produce a a weak winning kind of number, I, I think you're in a tough spot. But you've got a few guys there that I think can be, you know, fill-ins in a pinch. I would say my caution would be with Chuba Hubbard, their last four is at the Bills, home for the Buccaneers, at the Saints, at the Buccaneers. That is not conducive. They, they haven't been good enough opening holes. And honestly, aside from DJ Moore, if they're going to rotate quarterbacks like they did this week, I don't think that takes away any appeal of Cam Newton being a super flex option. All right, the Seahawks beat the Texans 33-13. I got I got to come to you first here, Dennis. Rashad Penny, breakout game after four years. Is he the guy in the backfield for the rest of the season? Insert, I can't quit you gif here. I mean, just when I thought I was out, you pull me back in. Oh, man. I, I just... It was so, it, it, you know, you wait. It, it's like, I, I now I know how Michelangelo felt when he was painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. When he finally got done and was able to step down and look up and see it in its full glory. Oh, it was great. It was great. I, you know, I don't know what the future holds. But we've got today. Just picturing Rashad Penny coming up behind you like Heath Ledger and just giving you a hug as you look out wistfully onto a lake. Um, my shorter answer is I think Penny is going to be their lead back the rest of the year. Carson not coming back. And when you're looking at Alex Collins hasn't been effective, Adrian Peterson exists, and the rest are kind of scat packs, I think they got to like what they saw from Penny. He was a first-round pick at one point, so if they can keep going, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's got a shot. Yeah, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, it's it, it's realistic. It is a realistic shot that he leaves his I mean, back. I guess at some point, if 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 he's finally healthy to the point he can play a few games in a row, maybe he gets through next season. And you start to look at it like when you roster Dalvin Cook, you expect he's going to miss a couple games. And if Penny can get to the point where you expect you can expect him to miss a couple games instead of you can expect him to play a couple games. Then maybe because he's certainly explosive. He's a really good pass catcher, and he's a big dude. He's six foot two twenty. 
But man, he's just so fragile. Also, don't look now, but if the Seahawks get hot down the stretch, they could actually work themselves back in the playoffs. No, that, that part's definitely not happening. Playoff penny. <laughs> Thoughts on Davis Mills, Matt. Is there is the last five games here his final shot? I think it's sort of an audition for him. I don't know if it's an audition to be like a long-term backup or if they're serious about getting, you know, we kind of thought it was a little bit of a joke earlier in the season when they threw him in to start, but he's had some decent games. He's not having terrible numbers. This isn't the most loaded or talented Houston team as we talked about 33 of 49, 331 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, only sacked a couple of times. I'll be curious there, you know, they've definitely, they've said he's starting the rest of the season. So I think it's some kind of evaluation or audition. I, you know, I, I think Mills is worth a shot. He's completing 68, 65.8% of his passes on an absolutely horrible team. His, his yards per attempt is really low because he's dumping it down to the running backs. They don't have, a lot of weapons around him and it's been really really it's a team that's it's it's like my uh team in we cross streams is what it is that just went oh and 14 uh because it's in a rebuild uh it's it's that team there only maybe a little better uh but i think you know mills i think if he can play out be a you know, he could be the leading guy going into next year until they sign a free agent and somebody to compete with him. And we'll see how it goes. But I think he's earning the shot. I don't see what's really, you know, he's got the opportunity to move into the Taylor Heineke, Jared Goff kind of stratosphere of quarterbacks. All right, so question really quick. For week 15, who should I start? Jimmy G, Russell Wilson, Taysom Hill. I mean, I haven't really dove that deep into it. I don't know who the 49ers are playing, but Russell So I'm taking Jimmy G at home against the Falcons. Russell Wilson's on the road against the Rams. Taysom Hill is on the road against the Buccaneers. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough to start Jimmy G, but I probably agree with that. I mean, it was. It would probably be in the order you have it there. I mean, the one I trust the least, unfortunately, even though Taysom Hill could probably end up having the biggest game out of all three of them because of what he can do rushing the ball, I think Tampa Bay is going to force him to – they can force him to pass it because that defense is so good. Russell Wilson, I think, could get in a shootout with the Rams, which is why I might lean him over Jimmy G, but I think Jimmy G is the safest bet. I agree with you there. Like, if you want the – Week 15, you just want the safest play to hope that you get the win. I think it's Jimmy G. I, I agree with Matt on that one. Well, let's let's see what that what Atlanta does versus Detroit. Or excuse me, tight ends there. Because Kittle has been killing it. But I mean, Ayuk stepped up. Debo's back. Yeah. Their running game is a little bit more beat up. Jimmy G has been making the passes he's needed to make. He had a couple of weeks stretch there where he was a top five fantasy quarterback. He's been better than you think. Well, I can't even find the Falcons on the list because apparently anytime I, oh, I really need to kind of my Sean McVay. I've been working. They're on they're kind of they're middle of the pack against uh, tight ends, but. You know, Kittle isn't just your ordinary everyday tight end. So I, I don't know. I'm probably 
probably I'd probably be football fans. I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But the latest no-brainer, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just one dollar on any team to score can win one hundred dollars in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for detail, details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Man, I was sitting here just thinking the whole time I'm reading that. Man, after a rough start. I kind of got into a groove and was doing really well till I got to the end there and I stumbled on the word. All right. The Broncos beat up the Lions 38 to 18. Uh, disappointed we didn't see Jamar Jefferson. Matt, thoughts on Craig Reynolds, which I will just point out. F you, NFL. F you. <laughs> Jamar Jefferson was dealing well, so supposedly he was dealing with the flu, is what everybody's talking about now, and they refused to like. But they made him active. I know, I know. Trust me, I had to like. I was searching. I was like, "Oh, Jamar Jefferson must have gotten sicker," and they took him out. No, he was active. Yeah, I had had a Twitter mob coming after me because I told a couple people to start Jamar Jefferson over like Jeff Wilson, who scored a whopping five points. I'm sorry, he did get you zeros, so I guess that could have mattered at the end of the day, but. I apologize to all of you. I did not know Jamar Jefferson was sick until literally last night after the game was already over. Had I known that, I would have definitely told you to still start Jamar Jefferson, but I would have felt less confident about it. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry. I thought Craig Reynolds looked uh, pretty good, ran with some pop. Uh, He's definitely vying to be the best Reynolds on offense. Uh, Josh still giving him a run for his money, but – you know, it just exemplifies the heart uh, that Detroit has had. They call him, uh, I'm sure you guys aren't watching this game as intently as I was with the Hubba Demarius Thomas tributes and the fact that my team was actually clocking someone for the first time in half a decade. But uh, they, they said they call him Netflix because he was on his couch until two days before the first preseason game. They brought him in. They loved his heart. They loved his hustle. They had to release him, but they had him hanging around. And when he got his chance, boy, he made the most of it. Yeah, it was – you know, Michael Jordan had a flu game. Why couldn't Jamar Jefferson have a flu game? He did. His was just on the bench. <laughs> they wouldn't let him play. Uh, it was rough. It was rough because I know a lot of us were in on uh, on Jefferson because we've seen him uh, produce in, in some limited activity. And now we've seen uh, Craig Reynolds produce in some limited activity as well. So now there's, uh, you know, I guess quite a conundrum of running backs there in Detroit. I just enjoyed the 0.5 points I got from starting George Igwebike in the league. Godwin Igwebike, but... 
Matt, on the Broncos, the Broncos dominate on the ground. Do they have a legitimate playoff shot? They got the Bengals at home this week, and the Bengals have been vulnerable. Denver's defense has gone good. <clears throat> then they're they got the Raiders, and then they close with the Chargers and the Chiefs. So it's kind of in their hands, um, which is both a blessing and a curse if you've ever watched Denver's current coaching staff. So I, I see we've got a uh, Teddy Two Gloves contract extension there on the on the horizon. God, I hope not. I mean, that was the most uh, crushing thing, you know. No, I mean, I, at least he, he said in the post that he doesn't expect it to be from Denver, right? So, I mean, you're well, no, prior, prior to that, it came out yeah, that yeah. they were discussing the contract extension. You're talking about bringing back Melvin Gordon, too. I may have to take the summer of some deep mourning in sackcloth and ashes here. <laughs> well, if they do, you know, if, if they play well, you know, maybe they're going to run it back just like the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. It seems to be working so well down there on the Bay. I'm glad we spent like uh, $90 million on receivers that we're not going to target in games too. Well played. That is the very confusing thing to me. Like did Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick get a target in that game? Like Cortland Sutton got a couple of targets. He's still the leader by far in snaps. He's out snapping Jerry Judy by like 25 snaps a game, but I don't know what the. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. The Chargers beat up on the Giants 37-21. Dennis, is the Giants' offense actually better with Freddie Kitchens? You know, he made Mike Glennon look palatable. I mean, Glennon put up 21 points. Um, You know, their, their wide receivers are still a hot mess with Galladay and Shepard not being healthy. And it seems like whenever Slayton gets in there and he's like, okay, well, you know, we got to put Slayton in. Well, then he drops a ball. He's, he's, he gets the drops. He's like Deontay Johnson and Jamar Chase, which I suppose is good company to keep, but probably not for that stat. Um, but I, I think they need to, they, they need to invest in their offensive line. I, I don't know that Kit kitchen is, Kitchens is earning the job next year. Um, you know, I don't know that it, it certainly wouldn't be a very inspiring hire at this point. I think he needs to spend a couple more years and uh, sort of build out his resume a little fuller uh, because we've seen him. He's he's failed up a couple times, and while they put up twenty one points against the Chargers yesterday, uh, they certainly uh, aren't blowing the roof off the doors, as Matthew Berry would say. Yeah, and 14 of those points came in true garbage time in the last half of the fourth quarter that I think makes the game and the stat box look better than it actually was. My personal feeling is the Giants offense hasn't been better since they let Jason Garrett go. I know Daniel Jones has been out, and as Dennis said, they have a myriad of other issues. But I think what we've seen is Jason Garrett, well, maybe not great, wasn't the only problem in New York. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about it now for a little bit. There could be, much like we mentioned with Oakland, or Oakland, I'm sorry, Las Vegas sweeping changes, likely sweeping changes coming to the New York Giants organization as well. Matt, thoughts on Jalen Guyton and Josh Palmer moving forward? We don't know how long Keenan Allen will be out. Mike Williams, a free agent after the season, I believe, right? They didn't pick up his option. Yeah, right? I know. No, no this they, is his they, option they, here. They oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'll look. Th- I'll look that up in a minute. I did. I thought that he was playing on his fifth year option right now. Um, you know, Palmer was an interesting pickup. They targeted him uh, or seven times. He was actually the leader in targets. Did pretty well. Five for sixty-six and a touchdown. Guyton continues to make some big plays. Had a fifty-nine-yard bomb there. Looked pretty good. I think they're they're decent and serviceable receivers. But I've also thought that. Justin Herbert seems to have a gift to make whoever is in the offense a little bit better as great quarterbacks do. I don't know if, yeah. And when Allen's healthy and, and Williams is out there and they have Eckler and they're not playing the giants. I don't know if either of those guys, if I would feel ever feel the confidence to start them. Mike Williams is a free agent after this year. So he has not, at least as of now that I'm seeing signed. Yeah. I think they just picked up his option to keep him for this year. So, I mean, as far as Palmer and Guyton moving forward, they kind of – so we, we've seen offenses that can support three wide receivers and a running back. Cincinnati um, is the latest example of – but when you've got Guyton and Palmer both, and then you've got Eckler, Williams, and Allen, that kind of leaves the Tyler Boyd share of the pie to split between the two of them. And so you're not really – it's going to be hard to know which one uh, to use on any given week. So, well, it makes for a really nice and really deep, real NFL wide receiver room, uh, I think we need to – you know, there's there's definitely guys you want to add in dynasty leagues to make sure you pick up one of them because uh, Williams and, and Allen's getting older. And like you said, Williams is a free agent. Yeah, I think I would take a shot more on Palmer than Guyton because of where they drafted him and the fact that, like Matt, you just mentioned they had targeted him seven and targeted him seven times in that game. I think they want him to be a part of the offense moving forward. The 49ers beat the Bengals in overtime 26-23. Matt, the 49ers pick up the win. What do we think of their playoff chances? Yeah, I think they're in a uh, good shot right now. Um, it was a huge win for them. Now it's seven and six. They're a little bit ahead of the fray in the NFC. I like the way they're trending, and they have a pretty decent schedule to close out. I mean, they've won five of seven, so they're getting hot at the right time. Um, I'd like to see the backfield get healthy. I'd much rather see Eli Mitchell getting 21 carries than Debo and Jeff Wilson splitting 21 carries. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. We'll see if Mitchell makes it back. I mean, to he, say what you want, though. Debo's been a really good running back for some reason. So, I mean, and, and I like it because it's making Kittle and uh, Brandon Ayuk more viable at the wide receiver and tight end position as well. So, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that for the 49ers side. Dennis, on the Bengals side here, how does this loss impact their playoff chances? And are you concerned about their offense that's been fading a little bit? Well, some of the issues yesterday were around play calling and decision-making on the coaching staff. Uh, You know, it's definitely an explosive offense at times. Joe Burrow's kind of starting to click again with Chase. 
and with Higgins. Mixon was a little bit disappointing. Uh, I think they need to keep up the momentum if they want to, you know, make a playoff push. But it would, to me, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if they missed the playoff and got an earlier pick and kind of invested some. Yeah. And, you know, I think they were a great story. They probably played a little bit above where we thought they'd be early in the season. I think it's going to come back to earth a little bit here down the stretch. They've got the Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs, and Browns to close out. Those are all playoff contenders. I think they're going to have what ends up being a good season, but a little bit shy of the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, I had them making the playoffs. I actually think I picked them to finish second in the division this year. I can't remember. Maybe I had them third because I thought I had the Rams winning, but I know I had Arizona in. But still, I mean, they, they've definitely been coming on strong. I'll be curious if they don't make it, what this means for the quarterback position, though, going into the offseason. Matt, you mentioned Jimmy G's actually been praying, playing pretty well. They don't really seem to be interested at all in getting Trey Lance out there. The Bills beat, I'm sorry, the Bills lose to the Buccaneers 33-27. Dennis, are the Bills in trouble? I think the Bills need Jordan Howard in the worst way. I mean, that team is soft. They need somebody that they can give the ball to that's going to stick their head in the pile and move it. Uh, honestly, I, I think they kind of are what they are at this point. It's built around uh, Josh Allen's running, the occasional uh, – dump off to one of the running backs that um, is able to break it. And then Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley, uh, Emmanuel Sanders is out now. Gabe Davis pops off here and there, but really it comes down to toughness is what the team lacks right now. And, and so I don't know uh, how far they're going to take it. And while I don't think you necessarily need to go toughness all the way back to the Richie incognito style, you do need to get some guys in there that are, you know, going to kick some butt. Yeah, they have some long-term issues that I think might keep them from achieving what we thought they'd be potentially in the playoffs in terms of being a Super Bowl contender. But they are fortunate. Um, you know, we have to monitor Josh Allen. He came out with a walking boot. There's some thought that he has turf toe, which wouldn't be great for them. Mitch Trubisky is their backup, and I'm not sure any Bills fan wants their playoff fate in their hands. That being said, 7-6, and six, they would still be in the playoffs right now. They close with three of four at home. Those three home games are against the Panthers, Falcons, and Jets. Their one road game against the Patriots. I think you couldn't ask for a better schedule to give them a chance to get to at least 10 wins from here and get in. And if they beat the Patriots in that rematch by some chance, they still have a chance to win the AFC East. So I think they're in the playoffs. I just, you know, they were my Super Bowl pick. I don't feel as good about that. Yeah, they, they definitely don't look quite as good as they did last year, but all they do is got to get into the dance, and you never know what could happen. Matt, should the Buccaneers be the favorites in the NFC again? Yeah, they have quietly gone on a pretty terrific stretch. They've won uh, four straight games. They close with Saints, Panthers, Jets, Panthers. I don't think they lose another game. I think there's a very good possibility that they end up getting to 14 wins and being the top seed in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, they're they're not the favorite. I mean, I know Green Bay is playing well, but I think Tampa is a lot more complete. Technically, Arizona's the number one oh. record-wise team. We always forget about them. Uh, East Coast bias. 
I think I'd take Arizona and Green Bay over Tampa Bay. I, I just I trust more in both those offenses than I do Tampa Bay. And so, uh, Brady's Brady. I don't doubt him, but I think with what Rodgers and Murray can do, and the fact that both of those defenses, I actually think may be a tad bit better than Tampa Bay's with the injuries they suffered earlier in the year. I, I would not put them as a favorite. I'd still take Green Bay and Arizona. Speaking of Green Bay, they beat the Bears 45-230. Dennis, the Bears come up short, but the offense looks better. Thoughts on the roll for Robinson and Darnell Mooney? Well, they they led the team in targets yesterday, six for Robinson, five for Mooney, which is a positive. But it does start to look a little bit like uh, uh, Allen Robinson is check, checked out. Uh, I, I think he's not going to be back next year. They're not going to franchise him for a second year in a row. And unfortunately, based on the season he's had, he's probably going to have to take a prove it deal to, to prove that he hasn't lost it after a couple injuries and a down year. Uh, but Mooney's playing well and playing hard. I think he's ascending into the, the, the number one role. Uh, getting him and Fields as much time together as possible is going to definitely be a good thing. But, you know, they're not going to win a bunch of games. I, I, a couple things, you know, Fields kind of stared down his receiver on the pick six. You know, he's still, uh, he's still playing a, like he's thinking about the game instead of just playing the game. But I think as a rookie who's missed a significant amount of time, that's probably a fairly natural thing too. Yeah, I was encouraged by, I thought Fields looked a little bit better. You're probably right about Robinson. The target leader for the Bears was actually David Montgomery with seven. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it looked like Fields had good chemistry with Mooney before his injury, but it, it hadn't, it didn't exactly click there. And I think they're getting a chance to play through it and they might be good in the future. But what it tells me is heading into the fantasy playoffs, I have low confidence about the, the, the floor I'm going to get for these guys. Yeah. I think the only player I'm trusting is, is Montgomery, but I will say I really liked what this guy was doing. He's looked mm -hmm. better and better. I think, he, I mean, Mac Jones has been the best rookie quarterback, but I think it's fair to say Justin Fields and his small sample size has looked better than what I've seen out of Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson so far this season. Much better than Trey Lance. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I forgot, all, I forgot all about that guy. Didn't even realize he existed. He's, you know, just sitting on the bench like Kyle Trask and uh, Kellen Mont, those guys. Matt, thoughts on the Packers' backfield heading into the fantasy playoffs? Yeah, a little bit interesting. Aaron Jones came back, and he has a huge game in terms of the fact that he caught three passes and a touchdown, and he ran for a touchdown. Um, Dylan had significantly more carries. I don't know if that was a product of them just being up and trying to save Aaron Jones. I think they are want to keep Aaron Jones fresh for a championship run, especially given the precarious nature of the future of Rodgers in that organization. They're both still going to have some fantasy appeal, but I think for the playoffs, it, for me, it feels like it's going to cap a Jones' ceiling. Well, we've seen Jones can score touchdowns in bunches, so he he has a he's been super efficient in the past. I agree with you. I think they're conserving him, and when you've got a guy who can play as well as Dylan has been playing, uh, then by all means, let let. Let your better back, your more versatile back, get healthier. Uh, 
I think Dylan Dylan has certainly outperformed my expectations. Uh, that Dylan only played six more snaps yesterday, but they were, you know, they came on and they kind of ran away from the game with with the game. And so I don't know how much of a how much that factored into Dylan getting more snaps later versus Jones. Dennis, we are right around the corner from Christmas. Tell everybody how they can get some fantasy football roundtable merchandise. Well, we got one more week to go to get the fantasy football roundtable discount. Just in time for the holidays, get your fantasy football roundtable gear at viridianglobal.com. Snapback hats, trucker hats, T-shirts, three-quarter sleeve raglans, and my favorite, hoodies, all adorned with the Fantasy Football Roundtable logo. If you're watching, you see those logos all around us on the screen there? That's a cool logo. Uh, Get 10% off Fantasy Football Roundtable gear with our code ROUNDTABLE at viridianglobal.com slash collections slash Fantasy Football Roundtable. Use code ROUNDTABLE for 10% off. All right, so let's talk about the Week 15 targets. Again, all roster percentages courtesy of Fantasy Pros. At quarterback, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo at 21.9%, Ben Roethlisberger at 20.2%, and Tyler Huntley at 0.7%. Matt, how are you attacking the quarterback position if you need a QB in Week 15? Yeah, I'm taking Jimmy G. As I mentioned before, playing the Falcons, he's been playing pretty well. He's got three targets that are going well. And then I'm probably taking Ben um, second. He had, you know, maybe his swan song with Pittsburgh, but he's still putting up some pretty good numbers as they're having to compete because of that defense. I'm staying away from Huntley. Uh, I want another option if Jackson's not available to me. Yeah, I think the only reason you would pick up Huntley is if you have Jackson and other people have grabbed quarterbacks and stashed them and you don't really have a shot. It's Garoppolo. Whatever fab you have left right now, dump it on Garoppolo. Agree 100% there. Running backs, Rex Burkhead, 20. I had to start him. 10 so did I. God love you, Rex Burkhead. God love you. 21.1%. Oh, I'll, I'll save that for the end of the show. Dennis's guy, Rashad Penny, 129 Craig Reynolds, 1%. And LaMichael P. Ryan, 0.2. You know, Burkhead seems to get the volume, but... With the injuries and the explosiveness Penny showed, I think you got to go for Penny and ride him until he breaks again. Uh, with Reynolds, I think if Jamal uh, Williams Williams was healthy, I don't think you really would have seen much of Reynolds. Uh, and I think he'll be back. He's on co- the COVID list, isn't he? Williams. Jamal Williams, yeah. And so, DeAndre Swift was close to coming back from that shoulder thing. Mm-hmm. If, I'm going to be so frustrated if they bring DeAndre Swift back. There is no good goddamn reason to bring DeAndre Swift. My Scott or, Fishbowl team disagrees or, with you. Yeah, my DJ fantasy Hopkins. teams completely disagree with you on that. Oh, I, I need him. I, I've got him on some rosters as well, but uh, as a Detroit Lions fan, um, I'm you know I'm probably going with Penny, then then Burkhead, then then Reynolds. I'm taking Penny and then Burkhead, and I'm ignoring the other two because I don't I don't think Reynolds gets back that kind of volume. I think that was a next man up, we have no one left situation, and I'm not trusting Pirine to, to get volume either. 
Yeah, I mean, just to just to speak on DeAndre, so obviously I hope for for his health and safety. Our fantasy teams really don't matter, but I mean, because he was out this week, as was of Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I had to start Rex Burkhead and Kyle Juszczyk in a league this weekend because I I think Juszczyk put up some points though, right? Yeah, one. He got me one point. Rex Burkhead got me ten. He got you more than the poor guy uh, who started Jamar Jefferson on your recommendation. I started Jamar Jefferson a couple places too, so I bit that bullet as well. Those people coming after me, I'm so you know, like you know what? I shouldn't get into it. That stuff just makes me laugh. Though I also had to start Amir Abdullah in in the league as well. That's four point three points. Hey, but I won one hundred and fifty to seventy twenty one or two thousand seventeen. It's it's you know good thing to have when it's good when you have like George Kittle, Devontae Adams, T. Higgins. That that stuff definitely helps you out. At the wide receiver position, KJ Osborne at thirty two point three percent, Rashad Bateman at thirty point five, Jalen Guyton at fourteen point six, Josh Palmer at one point six, and Braxton Berrios at point three. I'm taking Osborne first, and then um, Bateman. You know, I think the other three are pure dart throws. I I agree. I think, you know, we're going to get uh, Keenan Allen back. He's going to slide back into his role. Williams is there. So they, again, Guyton and Palmer are splitting the Tyler Boyd share of the offensive targets. You know, Berrios is a, a conundrum because when Crowder is out, Berrios pro- steps right in and produces. He's, he's like Dollar Store Hunter Renfro. He goes right in there and gets it done. I feel like Berrios and Penny have sandwich hugged you this yeah. week. But, man, I, you know, obviously it's Osborne because uh, at least until Thielen gets back, I don't know where he is in his recovery. High ankle. I, I think he's – yeah, I, he's probably got at least a couple more weeks before he gets out there and tries to gut it out. But Bateman's starting to come on. I, I think Bateman probably is the most secure in a starting role the rest of the way. So I'd probably put Bateman first, then uh, Osborne second. But if I'm looking at just one week, I need one week, I'm going Osborne. All right, so that will do it for us today. We'll be back again on Wednesday, Matt and myself, to discuss the Monday Night Football game that's about to kick off here between the Rams and Cardinals, I believe, if I remember that correct. Rams and Cardinals. We will preview the Thursday Night Football game, which I believe is probably going to be... Chargers Chiefs. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be a bad game. I might actually have to stay up and watch the game now. All right. I'm excited about that. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Hawkeye um, if we get a chance to watch it. Um, So we will see you guys again on Wednesday. Everybody, if you need somebody to go off tonight, let's hope that they do it because all the games that are in the balance for me. As long as it's not Chase Edmonds. Yeah, as long as it's not Chase Edmonds. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored 